Okay. B'shem Hashem Na'aseh. B'shem Hashem Na'aseh. We're doing the laws of cooking on Shabbat with modern technology. We know one of the big no-nos on Shabbat that even in Iran they knew this, even though they may have not been so sophisticated to know the 39 Melachot, you know. On Shabbat, work is defined by the 39 constructive acts that was needed to create the Mishkan, the tabernacle. Now, just as an introduction, what does it mean to cook on Shabbat, which is forbidden? It means something that's raw to make it edible through heat. Either you're making something hard, soft, or something soft, hard, like when you cook, put put the soft dough, right? The challah becomes nice and crunchy, or the cookies, right? Or when you... Making eggs goes from soft to hard. Exactly. But uh, when you cook, which is the classical thing, the av right? Where? How do we learn, what, what action happened in the Mishkan that causes this to be forbidden for the entire Jewish nation, right? Because we learn it from the Mishkan. What we're forbidden to do is a mirror of that. That's where, how we extrapolate and the source where we learn it from. Because in the Mishkan, they, they, um, what they did was that they had to cook the herbs in order to like, you know, some herbs like pomegranate, um, shells or whatever, they have very strong dye. And they use those dyes to color the tapestry and the, cause they didn't have paint in those days. They, their paint was natural paint. It wasn't chemical paint. So in that case, what's going on is the hard, like cinnamon or whatever, bark of the tree, which is a herb, mm-hmm. or it becomes soft. And now you can make it into, get a strong dye to color the clothing of the Kohen Gadol and to, 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 Color the, because um, you know, they had red, a lot of red blue going on in there, especially in the parochet that was separating the holy of holies and the holy. Mm-hmm. Now, the Gemara and Shabbat has an interesting thing. On Daf Ein Gimel 73, the Talmud when it comes, the oral Torah when it comes to, um, the source in the oral Torah of it talks in the in the context of baking rather than cooking. So the question is, the Gemara asks, why? Why when the Mishnah brings the the thirty nine labors that is forbidden to do, it doesn't refer to as like in the Mishkan as cooking because they used to cook the right the dyes to to get the natural paint. Mm-hmm. So the Gemara says. Why don't we follow what was going on in the Mishkan and what is the Talmudic source referred to it as baking? So the Gemara answers there, Sidra de Padnaktin. And this is a very important concept. Also, it's brought down in the postgame that one should actually constantly review what the 39 Melachot is. I think it was brought down in the Shla Kadush. Which means part of being an Orthodox Jew is to always teach your kids and you yourself should know what are the 39 things it's forbidden to touch light fire. Now, you have to understand the Torah in its classical form, the oral Torah was oral, was never written down. So 
the Mishnah was made in a way to make you remember. So you have to remember by heart 39 forbidden actions on Shabbat of labor. Mm-hmm. It's easier to almost 13 of them. You, you remember by the category of what's necessarily to get to the final product of challah, of bread. Mm-hmm. That way, it's like a mnemonic. If you remember all the steps it t- takes to, to, to bake bread, already, that's called Sidura de Pak. That's a good mnemonic and tactic mm-hmm. for, for us, for example. And this is how it's brought down in many classical halachic books. What, many of the labors of Shabbat can be memorized because you think logically, what is it, what are the steps that it takes to get to final baking bread? Well, first you need to plant, then you need to plow. That, which is the Malach of Zareya, Chayresh. Then the third one is Kotzer, Harvest. You have to harvest the wheat. Then Ma'amr, you gather it into bundles, which is one of the 39 labors of Shabbat, like lighting fire, right? All of these are... Then you need to dash it, squeeze it, to extrapolate the whole wheat, the kernel from the bark and the husk, that's the why it's forbidden to make juices on Shabbat, especially olive, you know, olive oil. And then it's forbidden to also winnow, select, um, se- selecting and processing something with the help of the wind. Borer, selecting with your hand, grinding. Then you need to grind it, the the. Um, thing into flour, right? So this is a perfect way to... And you have to understand, in the the ancient world, you didn't buy flour, right? Even till a few hundred years ago, people had farms, they had to go and do all these step-by-step things. So, it's for practical reasons, it's much better to use baking because it'll... It's easier to remind you how we got to the process of the grain. So after you grind it, then you select it. You have to get the pebbles out of the... Mm-hmm. You have to select the good from the bad through a, a utensil, which is the malach of marake, because you need to get the pebbles away from the whole wheat or pure white flour, right? And then lush, then you need to... Le- de- uh, knead it, right? You mix water. The malach of lush is bringing many small units, like all the different grains of the um, flour into a nice play doughy ball that we make our challah with. Mm-hmm. And then the pinnacle of it is you put it in the oven and you bake it. So since, you know, we explained that that's why in, in Talmudic literature, but it's the same thing. You understand? On Shabbat, it is forbidden to both um, fry. See, uh, the Rambam brings down when he defines cooking on Shabbat. So any type of using fire and heat to make something edible is 
Av Melachan Shabbat, right? It's hard to know what the Av, because you know, on Shabbat, I don't want to get too sophisticated here, but you know, there's the Av Melachan Atolda, right? The father category and then the subcategories, which is called like the Tolda. But it seems that the, according to the Rambam at least, they're all Av Melacha, right? It's not like there's a subcategory. All of this is forbidden by the Torah and all of this is the death penalty if somebody desecrates Shabbat. So whether you're cooking with water like abgusht, like in a soup or in a stew, or you're frying or you're barbecuing, um, the um, it's all, all forbidden from Torah law. Just not something else that the post can bring down is Sometimes people make a mistake. They think lighting fire is the main problem, problematic action on Shabbat. No, it has absolutely nothing to do with one and another. Even if it's a pre-existing fire, preheated oven, or pre your gas is on before Shabbat, if you take raw food and cook it on Shabbat, you're still cooking. You're still cooking. The reason why it's forbidden to light fire on Shabbat is not only for cooking. They needed it for light in the olden days. They needed it for heat. So they shouldn't freeze in the winter. You understand? Each one is exclusive, forbidden exclusively by its one. It's not like a, one is a reaction to the other. Mm-hmm. You understand? Mm-hmm. So that's... Cooking is totally forbidden even on a pre-existing fire. Mm-hmm. And also, another just... We're not talking about the laws of... Um, Blech, but just the very, very, because I was uh, dealing with this with a few people that were asking me halakhic shailas. One of the best advice for you not to get trouble on Shabbat and to chas v'shalom transgress this sin of cooking on Shabbat, mm-hmm. Rav Shlomo Zaman Arbach, they bring from his student Shimon Shabbos Kelchosa, and it's brought down in many books. One of the best advices one should do is to have your all your food that you're going to eat on Shabbat fully cooked before Shabbat. Which means once Shabbat enters, whether Shabbat is 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 4.30 in the winters, right? You should schedule your cooking that all your food is totally edible and fully cooked before Shabbat. Because if you don't do this piece of advice that I'm giving you, on Shabbat you could get into a lot of problems, complications that would that you could chas shalom, you know... Mm-hmm. And inadvertently, if you're not familiar with halacha, cause something from being semi-cooked to fully cooked. Now, today's halacha, we wanted to bring modern technology, but I just wanted to bring in a fascinating concept a lot of people don't know about. And that is, on Shabbat, it's forbidden to not only to cook with fire, but how about with sunlight, with solar energy? So, guess what? If you living, means the thing that you're, the device that you're cooking with is being powered by solar. No, not that, because that's tolda tachama. That's forbidden midrabana. What? What? And there's no electric current. As long as there are electric current, it's forbidden. What we're saying is, let's say uh, you live in Phoenix or in Palm Springs, where or places in the world that is gets into the hundreds of degrees. So early in the morning, in your backyard, you place on your hood of your car an egg. Cooks. The direct sunlight is so hot, 
that it cooks or you put it on sand. Not, you don't do hot mother. You just put it, you know, a raw egg, which is forbidden, obviously, to cook on Shabbat. It's not. Oh, it's not considered cooking, and there's no if 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 the if the if the raw item is getting directly cooked, not by the utensil that's always already piping hot because it was solar. See, if it it got directly heated by the sun. So if I take a pan, put a raw egg in there, go outside, leave it in the sun, is that considered cooking? As long as the pan was cold when you started cooking. Cold it's pan, raw egg, outside cooked. It's allowed. Wow. You just have to be worried that it's better not to use a utensil though because the next halachis, Chachamim, saw that this is could be problematic and people could get confused. Mm-hmm. So the rabbi said, let's say you put a pan out 9 a.m. and then by 11 the pan is like fuming. Then you crack an egg and you make fried eggs. That's forbidden rabbinically. You know why? Because they were worried that... Because also, I just want to bring out something also. We hold from Torah lots forbidden to cook something in a piping hot pot, even though the pot is not on the fire anymore. So let's say you have like boiling water. That Let's say the Shabbat, before Shabbat, the water was boiling. And especially now, we have very sophisticated utensils that could retain the heat, like thermoses. So let's say you had a piping hot... Pan or um, pot, you take the pot off the fire and you throw a raw egg in on Shabbat. That's from, totally forbidden from Torah law because it's like you're cooking in fire. Because how did this boiling water get boiling? From the fire. So it's a fascinating thing. Now, why did the rabbis forbid? So if you cook raw food in direct sunlight, that's permitted. It's a it's a crazy alaka, but it's uh you know why it's permitted by the way. Because ninety nine point nine percent people don't do that. Even if people want to cook in sunlight, they first heat the pot and make it piping hot, then they throw the thing in. So since the rabbi saw that, you know, that's why the Chachamim already saw that if, if once you're using utensils and the utensils is piping hot, people are going to get mixed up with utensils that were warmed by the actual fire. So that's also forbidden. So let's give an example of this. Let's say you put a dark handkerchief, you know, because black clothing, black stuff absorbs a lot of heat. So let's say it became piping hot, the handkerchief. That's forbidden me from rabbinic law to throw an egg in there and have it like fry fry on that or... I mean, once it's already hot and then you put it in there. Right. right. But if it's cold... There could be a problem of admana. Um, honestly, to be honestly, it seems that if the heat is coming from the sun, it's permitted on Shabbat. If what's cooking it is... A utensil that was heated by the sun, now you throw in the raw food, that's rabbinically also because then people are going to get... So at what point do you decide that it's the sun cooking it and the utensil cooking it? Well, you see just what the facts on the ground is. I think if the from the beginning the utensil's already cold, the utensil's not cold, it just... I once, think Once you're putting it in the heat, is it, is, is, aren't both of them factors? Yeah, like... so that's why I say I think it's pro- pro- prohibited. 
you have to put it on something that in a way that just the maybe something holds it in place that it shouldn't roll away. But what what's cook what's pr- pr- permitted it? It's not so practical. What's pr- no, meaning as the food is getting hot and then so is the pot getting hot. So so at which point are you going to say, oh, the pot is also getting hot enough to start cooking it? Or it's just... Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. I think if... if Also, it could be... Anyway, since it's a rabbinical iser and it's confusing for people... Because again, in a pot that was warmed, piping hot, and it's red, and it's like it's able to cook even though it's not on the fire, it's forbidden. Mm -hmm. So as long as that... I think... As long as it's a point of confusion, you shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Unless it's crystal clear that it's solely the sun yeah. doing it. Yeah. It could be that if the if the utensil is not really a utensil that cook it, it's just like, you know, on a tripod, right? To hold it in place though you know you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's say you put a a, a tripod to put the egg on. So the utensil's not cooking, you're just holding it that it can get good sun, sunlight. You know, people that are smart Alex actually, I heard they went, Yeshivish people that knew that local, they went on a camping trip and they did this. Really? Cook food that way in the hot? Yeah. It's 100% okay. It's not rabbinically. Right? What's for sure forbidden, I could tell you, is this. Once you spent many hours making the pot hot through sunlight, or the pan hot through sunlight, or even the handkerchief, then you throw in the hot... The raw food, that's for sure is also. Now, there's a very interesting header in this though. And that is as long, even though these, um, it's rabbinically forbidden utensils that were warmed by the sunlight and are piping hot to cook in them, even though from Torah lots okay, but they didn't want you to get confused. It is okay, believe it or not, to put like cold water that wasn't cooked or food near them, and through their heat, it absorbs their heat, and it becomes lukewarm. Because sometimes, you know, certain food are not edible on Shabbat. So, for example, he gives a example here, is like, let's say, uh, a solar heater, let's say your water got hot, not because of the pot. The water, I think... It has to be that if the water is in there from the beginning, it's the sun more that's considered cooking it, not the pot. You understand? So let's say you had like a water heater and it got really hot. Or you're next next to hot springs. And you don't want, you know, cooking by the way, it has to get to boiling, to yatsoletitbo. Yatsoletitbo is so hot that... Touching it burns you. Yeah, touching it burns you. Yeah, people, that's what the Benishka says. People, but if you just want to defrost your food or make it lukewarm, you're allowed to bring it into close contact with hot springs or um, utensils that were warm by the sun, not to cook your food, just to defrost defrost it and make it like... um... Now the question here is something fascinating. Let's say before Shabbat, you're a smart aleck, you like to do science projects. So, let's say you cook something in a hot spring. Or in a utensil that was heated by solar power. So, 
halachically, it's considered totally cooked. If it got totally fried with oil, this is before Shabbat, right? Not on Shabbat, before Shabbat. Now on Shabbat, we know you're not allowed to reheat soup or something that's liquidy on Shabbat. By the way, I saw Mardik Echidosh in Halakha Brura. He says something that has the consistency of a raw egg, like ketchup, thick sauces. Why would it be consistency like a raw egg? No, raw egg you're not allowed to cook on Shabbat. But let's say something that is, it's not soupy liquidy, it's very thick liquid, like a sauce okay. that has the same consistency as a raw egg. Okay. Like ketchup. Yeah. It's glumpy. It's not like water. No, it's not water. It's thicker. He holds it's considered Davar Yavesh, Rabbi David Yosef. And it's winter to reheat that. So, perhaps we're going to talk about that in another shir. But the chidush here is, once something is cooked by hot springs, or um, solar-powered utensils before Shabbat, from the heat of the sun... It's considered 100% cooked, and if it's like a piece of piece of dry meat, you're allowed to reheat it on Shabbat. We don't say bishul achram. You understand? Because we're going to see a big chidush. The main reason I started this halachic discord is to see modern technology. Right now, we're going to get to the case of microwave. But something to realize halachically on Shabbat and in laws of kashrut, sometimes if you salt something. Or pickle it, it also is considered cooked. Mm-hmm. But just as, but that, just keep in mind, that type of cooking, let's say you took a raw cucumber and you pickled it in, in brine or in vinegar, you're not allowed to put that on Shabbat and cook it. This is very no for spices, by the way. That's why like raw pepper, pepper isn't cooked. Most spices are not cooked, they're raw. That's why you have to be careful on Shabbat if you want to reheat. You can't add them. I just saw this haydush in Ravavadi's grandson say for Maaseh Shabbat. If you want to, on um, Shabbat morning, reheat your uh, steak and stuff, you need to spice it after you take it off the blech, Right? Not before. You know why? Because if you put it on the blech, right, you know, very important law of Shabbat also is, we were worried that on Shabbat you may cook, so therefore if you want to reheat stuff on Shabbat, you need to have a cover over your fire. Right? But what I'm trying to tell you is, let's say you have some cold, great chicken breast or great steak, and it's very... Little, anyways, it's congealed, or there's a very little amount of, you know, mushrooms and fat or liquid around it. You're allowed to reheat it on Shabbat, but don't spice, don't put any spices on it before you reheat it. You know why? Because on those spices, it's cooking. Same thing by something that was cooked in vinegar. Halachically, vinegar and salting something, pickling something, doesn't consider cooking for Shabbat. It, not like... You, see, you understand? This is a yeah, hidush. It's, it's preserving. It's, not it's preserving, exactly. This is a hidush that's something that's 100% cooked through hot springs and the heat of the sun. 
yeah, it's fully, you know, commercially, by biologically, chemically cooked, but not something that's pickled. Now we get to the final part of the shear, which is the, in my opinion, the most fascinating part is, what are microwaves considered? Are microwaves considered like the sun, which is only rabbinic, or is it allowed? Or um, so Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, we're obviously talking about microwaves that do not use any type of heat element, right? It's only waves because there are type type of. Um, combustion ovens that also have a microwave in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to thank my dear friend, Rab Michal Motamedi. He's a big Talmud of one of the great postkim of our time. Rab Gidon ben Moshe, he said also, when it comes to technology, one always has to be very specific because sometimes you find some things in halachic books. It's like old technology and the halacha is different, you understand? Technology, the appliances we use to cook food are constantly changing. So a lot of the responder that Rav Moshe Feinstein has is from microwaves from 50 years ago. So Rav Shlomo Zatman. So Rav Moshe Feinstein, in his great book, he wrote Moshe, which I, one of my greatest desires to Hashem is that uh, I learn all of Yabiya Omer and Igrot Moshe, just such beautiful authors and they were so humble. But Moshe Feinstein holds, what's the status of a microwave? Is it rabbinically permitted, prohibited, right? Doesn't make sure makes sense it should be permitted, right? That, but so he holds that it's no, it's pro- prohibited, it's forbidden, hundred percent forbidden from Torah law. Why? And I'll read it verbatim, Rab Moshe. It's Rab Moshe. In uh, volume 3, Arachayim, Teshuvah 52. It's actually fascinating. Teshuvah, he says, microwave is actually easier to cook in it. Right? Why did Chachamim say um, cooking in direct sunlight is permitted? Or even if you something warmed up by the sun? Because this is unconventional. But I tell you, there's millions, perhaps even hundreds of millions of people that um, want instant gratification. They don't have the headache to spend how, how, half an hour food prep, right? They buy prepaid meals. You see this in the supermarkets all the time. I, I've seen it dozens of times. The guy has like, you know, 50 meals. And he just, you know, Weight Watchers or whatever, different... measures of food you can. No, he just pops his dinners and lunches into the microwave. It's a five-minute ordeal rather than making fresh food. It's a headache. Some people don't have the um, the patience or the knowledge for that matter how to cook, right? We're living in a society where you have restaurants at every corner, at every shopping center. So a lot of people are lazy nowadays. So Rav Moshe Feinstein says, of course it's forbidden from Torah law. Because it's easier to cook in this than even heat. And um, he says this is according to all opinions, because it's actually more convenient and easy. He says it's the same thing as... What difference is this if you're using a microwave or a fire? In the olden days, what their technology was fire. They didn't have the microwave. But since this... 
His point is, this is not an unusual way of cooking, is it? No. It's actually easier and more convenient than fire. So the same logic would apply that it's us from Torah law. <laughs> Between me and you, if they were in a rush to build, to get stuff to paint the Mishkan, right? To create the temple for Hashem. The sooner you build Hashem's temple, the better, right? Yeah. So he says it's exactly identical. See, what makes something forbidden by Torah law is if it's similar to what happened in the source of it. The source of it is the Mishkan, Rabbi Moshe says. So he says it's considered like a tolda. Okay, it's not an avmalach, it's not a classical one, but it's like a sub- subcategory. And he says it, it just, it, it cooks everything with the same chemical reactions, right? Something that comes out of the microwave and something that's cooked through a barbecue grill, right? Or on the pot, on the stove, it's the same chemical thing. So he says that you would even get stoned for it and skila. You'd have to bring a carbon. He, he holds it's mamish, mamish, midaraisa. And he says this is not only the feed opinion of Rashi and the Ran, according to all opinions of the Rishonim, but Moshe says, because, you know, just because that technology didn't exist in the time of the, you know, ancient times, you go around the logic of it. And since it's a, it's the most easiest and convenient way of cooking, so it's, it's forbidden from Torah law. Rav Shlomo Zaman Orbach argues. And he says, theoretically speaking, not practical speaking, but in theory, he holds it's only Midrabanan. You know why? And I'll read for you verbatim from this wonderful book I bought, I re- recommend it, Or Halacha. He summarizes the laws of Shabbat in such a magnificent... Who wrote it? Um, the author is Rabbi Kohen. Rabbi Yehuda Kohen. Rabbi David ben Rabbi Yehuda Kohen. So he he says that, according to Rabbi Shama Zalman, since there's no fire, right... That's not similar. He argues on Reb Moshe. There's no classical fire that you learn to light with a match. It's microwaves, right? So he 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 holds that it's only rabbinically forbidden. He says it's not similar. He argues on Reb Moshe. He says it's not similar to what they did in the Mishkan. In the Mishkan, they use fire. This is not fire. This is a microwave. This is a totally new technology. And the, the nafkamina is, you should know. Rav Avadia, I heard many times from him in his shiurim. Um, this, this is not just a theoretical machlokis. If you, we would find a microwave that's totally derabanan, we'll see why even Rav Shlomo says most microwaves are not. But if, if they're theoretically a from person or, you know, uh, Samsung or all the big producers would, perform, create a microwave with LED lights and doesn't have any sparks, it's a world of a difference because for a sick person, even through a Jew, even if his life is not in danger, you're allowed to do a lot of rabbinical sins. You know? Like squeeze orange juice. That's why Rabbi Vadi always said, anybody that wants to be a real Jew and real halakhic Jew... And not that we're looking for loopholes, but just to make life easier and to know when in doubt, you should always know, is the source of this halacha rabbinic? Because when, 
we're doubtful in rabbinic law, we go easy, we go lenient. But if it's a Torah law, we go what? Strict. So this is a classical case. A fascinating machlekes. But the problem is that the appliance itself, you know what Shlomo Zalman says, like he says, I, I, I don't know, my wife doesn't like microwaves, and I haven't bought one in many years, but if the first, Rab Shlomo Zaman would agree to Rab Moshe that even, practically speaking, cooking is still forbidden from Torah law. You know why? Because if there's, when you turn on the microwave, it wants to show you the food cooking. And all the bulbs they used in their time is incandescent, mm-hmm. right? LED is only rabbinic. But also there's another problem, Rav Shlomo Zaman says. A lot of times, the microwave, you have to see what the technology is. It's, it creates a spark. That's why if you put aluminum in, it, yeah, fries. It fries. So, it, if the, t- so that's why I was saying, like, Rav Shlomo Zalman in his time agrees to Rav Moshe. He says, practically speaking, we don't, since the microwaves have, all of them have incandescent lights that are, you know, that's why I said in my shear, uh, a month ago, that Rav Chaim Brisk and Rav Chaim Oizer, when the light bulb first came out, the Benjamin Franklin light bulb, not our LED or fluorescent, yeah. but the light bulb that actually burns the filament, mm-hmm. they used to make Havdalah on it, to show oh, that really? it's forbidden from Torah law. Wow. So same thing here. Rav Shlomo Zalman would say, okay, so maybe, the, see what I'm saying? The Machlekes of Moshe and Rav Shlomo Zalman, so your person should get confused. Uh, I hope that the people that have been watching my shares and, you know, I really, really try to be as clear as possible. Their machlokis is on the microwave. Is the is the reaction, the chemical reaction of a microwave? Rav Moshe says, since it's convenient and exactly, it's the, it's a normal way of cooking, and it's even easier way of cooking. It is midaraisa, but the machine of a microwave has technical problems that make it also forbidden from Torah law, according to Rav Shlomo Zaman. You have the lighting. That's inside the microwave that once you turn it on, so once you press that, it's like you turned on an incandescent light bulb. And even if it has an LED light bulb, there's also a problem of how does it, the machine start off. If it's like a, they call it here in Hebrew, mechulal jelly hamikro. There's like a certain element there that is a spark. So it could be that you have to check if, if there is a certain type of microwave that doesn't have create any sparks to start it and it doesn't have LED then according to Rav Moshe it still be Torah law and Rav Abadia seems to be not clear on this he seems to be Machmir but um, it comes out a fascinating thing regarding microwaves which was worth it to give the whole shir it's a it's a it's a dispute between Rabbi David Yosef and his father <laughs> with all due respect Rabbi David Yosef I became in love with his new book, Halal Chabura, but Ravavadya is the king of all Sephardic post-game. Ravavadya, because of this whole machlokas of Moshe and of Shlomo Zalman, says a fascinating chidush. You could look it up in Halichot Olam, um, volume 4, page um, 42 and 43, Chazan Ovadia, volume 4, page 402 through 405. He says a fascinating chidush. Because of this whole is Shlomo Zalman, and Rav Moshev, is this cooking, does it accomplish a Torah type of cooking? 
Well, Avadi says a fascinating chidush. He says, let's say you make cooked chicken breast in your microwave before Shabbat. And we said something that's dry, are you allowed to reheat it on your blech on Shabbat? Yes. But if you reheat it and it becomes piping hot, maybe the microwave cooking wasn't considered cooking. So Rav Avadia says something that was cooked before Shabbat in a microwave, since we're not sure, not like the case of something that was cooked. Remember I mentioned a few minutes ago in sunlight? Mm-hmm. But the microwave cooking, we're not sure what it accomplishes halakhically. Is it really cooked 100% according to the Torah law? Rabbavadia is worried that if you reheat it on your blech and it gets piping hot, maybe before it wasn't considered cooking according to Allah, and now it is. You understand? Mm. So this is actually something to remind people that, you know, a lot of people are very busy. They're lawyers, doctors, and they're single. A lot of people are addicted to the microwave. According to Rabbavadia, food that was cooked in a microwave before Shabbat is not allowed to be reheated. Wow. Right? So it was worth it to give this shir just for this. I didn't know this halacha. And secondly, Rav David Yosef argues on this. And says that, no. He argues on his father? Yeah, he argues on his father. And says if it was totally cooked in a microwave, who cares? Chemically, it's cooked. Right? So you're allowed to reheat it. And just the final thing, you know, nowadays, um, a lot of Israeli soldiers are fighting in Gaza. And you do have dozens of Orthodox servicemen, even in the U.S. military, you know, with millions of soldiers, especially in the reserves. It's not unheard of to have Orthodox Jews. So the question is, military rations, they have a certain type of thing. How about cooking with chemicals? Which means there's a type of, um, they call it MRI, military ration food. Or MRF, I forgot the acronym. But what basically happens is a package that, then there's a certain chemical you pour on the food, and then the water, then when the water drips on that chemical, it reacts and it makes it piping hot. Like, mm-hmm. if you're not careful, it could even burn you. Mm-hmm. So you're allowed, are you allowed to do that, heat something through chemical reaction? So I saw when I was learning this in Kolel, 20, 22 years ago, 21 years ago, my Rosh Kolel, Rosh Chabur actually, Rabbi Horowitz said that Rav Eliashev brings from the Meiri, that since it's a normal thing for people like, you know, what, what Moshe says, it's like microwaves, it's, it's 100% forbidden to cook like that, mm-hmm. from Torah law. But even, um, si- since it's unclear, both the Halichot Olam and all the Poskim, there's no Posik that allows you to cook through, through chemicals. Because again, um, it uh, the chemical reaction is uh, something that may be forbidden from Torah law. I mean, and um, it's something that's very common for people that need it. Mm-hmm. So one should be strict and not use such things. So there's no heter to use a chemical reaction. Um, to heat stuff on Shabbat. Um, just after delving back into the laws of Shabbat in depth after 20 years, I mean, I always was learning it. I learned it at my Shabbat table. But the laws of Shabbat are very complicated. One should constantly review it. And that's what the Gedolim said to do this year for the safety.
and well-being of our soldiers in Israel. Thank you for watching and listening and have a great Shabbat.